my privilege to introduce the young man that's getting ready to come up here. He went to state, by the way, state college, and uh, that's a good school. I grew up not too far from there. So very nice. Jonathan, I appreciate very much what you do, and I appreciate the time you put into it. You put an awful lot of work into that, and you have a lot of burdens on your shoulders, a lot of weight you place on your shoulders, and you're very faithful. I appreciate that. And my joy to introduce you. You come and just share with us and tell us what God's in your heart. And appreciate your time. Thank you. Oh, good morning. Good morning. good morning. It's good to be here with you all again. Um, I was talking to some people earlier, and, and you did mention it. My wife, Grace, she would have been here this morning, but she heard her back at work uh, yesterday carrying some heavy things, and she just could not really get out of bed this morning. So she's currently laying down with a heating pad on, um, so you can be praying for her that she'll start feeling better soon. Um, but anyway, happy to be here. Like I said, I always enjoy coming and hanging out with you guys. Um, and let you know how God's been working at camp, what the summer was like, and then I will uh, I'd like to share a little bit from one of the lessons we actually did during the summer. So as usual, you get a little glimpse of what the kids got to hear this summer um, from one of the from one of the chapel times. Um, so uh, God has really blessed the camp in the past little bit. Uh, we've really been seeing that just going uh, back to this summer when it all kicked off. You know, two years ago was the day camp COVID. Everything's all messed up out of whack here. We only had 100 kids, but it was also only day camp. And, of course, it's just all kinds of weirdness going on. Last last year, we were up to 230. And in this previous summer, 2022, we were up to 280 plus. So our numbers are growing back up to where they were. The year before COVID, we were at over 300. So we're almost back to where we were, which is good to see. Uh, we had weeks that were full. We had waiting lists that were starting to fill up again. So it was all very, very good. And God blessed us with a, a full camp for the most part. And he blessed us with all the staff that we needed to get by. Um, we didn't have any weeks where we had to cancel or anything like that, uh, which was all very, very good. Because last year, we did have to cancel a week because Aaron got COVID last year. So we had to cancel with camp. Um, but anyway, we had a good summer this year. It was very good. Uh, during the course of the summer, um, we praise the Lord. There were 20 kids that got saved this summer at camp, which was uh, amazing to see. Um, and that's the whole reason we have camp in the first place. So that's if it wasn't if it wasn't for that, then I'd be doing something else. Um, but 20 kids did get saved. It was uh, so that was a good a good thing to see. A lot of other good conversations as well. Um, but there was a lot of very challenging parts of camp this year, um, especially since uh, since all the kids have been you know, on their phones and computers so much, especially when two years ago they were all forced to go out of school and everything was virtual and everything was online. I've seen a big increase in a lot of these problems that kids are dealing with. Just this past summer, we had two girls that thought they were boys and came to camp and they did come to the girls' weeks. Um, and we told them the truth in love, of course. We let them come to camp. They got to play all the games and stuff, but we didn't, we didn't you know, beat around the bush or anything. But there was a lot of that going on this summer. Um, one girl actually, she didn't want us to call her her name. She wanted us to call her Glitch because she thought she was a mistake. She was a glitch. Um, yeah. So that's why she wanted to go by a different name. So there was a lot of that going on this summer as well. Um, so be praying because there's a lot of darkness that kids are just being flooded with right now. And there's, it's just everywhere you look. Um, they get on their phones and in five seconds they're getting flooded with all the messages of the world and everything. And it's just no good influences for them, for a lot of them. Um, so there's a lot of hard stuff like that this summer to deal with as well. Um, but... Again, praise the Lord, 20 got saved. The gospel was presented every day in chapel from the counselors and devotions and all that other stuff. So 
it was a good summer in that regard. Um, just to tell you one brief story, of a little bit of, the, of a, the good news. It was the last day of camp, the last full day of camp, so the Thursday for the little girls, the little seven, nine-year-olds. Um, and I do my best to try to disperse the children among the cabin so that no counselor is just stuck with a horrible cabin. But I messed up, and I gave one counselor a terrible cabin. Um, I did, they had some, some new kids. I didn't know them, and it turns out they were a handful, to say the least. Um, so this one, or those two counselors, um, they had a very difficult week. It was a big challenge. The kids would not listen. Um, they wouldn't do anything they were supposed to do. And, you know, this being eight-year-old girls. And then uh, the last day of camp, it was a Thursday night, and one girl stood up at the campfire that we always have, and she mentioned that she had believed in Jesus that week. So I asked that counselor, like, hey, could you just follow up with her real quick? And so she did. And she was able to talk with her, and that girl did believe in Jesus, at least as far as we can tell. Um, so that was good, and that caused the counselor of that cabin to be a little late getting back to the cabin. So she got up to the cabin a little later that night, and the girls asked her where she was. And the counselor, was, it was, she was still, she's still young, she's in high school, and I think it was one of the first people that she had ever had the privilege to lead to Christ. And so she was a bit emotional herself, and she told the girls how excited it was that she was able to lead this one other girl to Christ. And then, for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit used that to work on the hearts of some of those girls that were up in that cabin and for the first time all week long they listened um, and they had a really good devotion that night and four of the girls in that cabin got saved that night some of the ones that have been causing problems that week they actually came to me the next day and apologized for being such problems all week long um, so it was good to see and it was a, it was a, it was a good summer in that regard god's also blessed the camp uh recently with taking care of our needs we didn't you know we, we still got money in the bank account we're still trucking along here. We haven't missed any bills or anything like that. Uh, God's provided uh, this past summer there was a family who they've got two boys that come to camp and after they dropped off the boy for the second week of camp they came up and the dad said I own a painting company and would you like how would you like for us to paint the chapel and everything and get it looking all nice and snazzy again. So we're going to get the chapel repainted free. Um, there's another company that's offered to replace the downstairs windows in the chapel that have been up there since before I've been up there, probably since when the chapel was first built, they've offered to pay for and replace all those downstairs windows that don't really close that good anymore. Um, so we're going to have a nice new chapel building next year, hopefully, if everything goes through. So we praise the Lord for that and all of this, all the blessings that he's given us. And then also right now, we're doing an after-school care with the Fairview Elementary School. So every day I drive over to Fairview Elementary School in the van. We pick up anywhere from six to eight kids, just depending on the day. We bring them back up to camp, and we hang out with them until their parents come pick them up. And then on Tuesdays, we partner with uh, Jason, with the Asheville chapter, um, and we do a Good News Club chapel kind of thing every Tuesday with the kids. And I tell them, if they all learn the memory verse on Friday, they get ice cream. So. <laughs> um, but that's that's been going on at the camp right now as well, um, and that's been going well. There have been two kids that have got saved through that this year. So that's also been a blessing to see. Um, there was one boy, his name was Jack, and the mom's name was Betsy, if you want to pray for them. Um, Jack came back to my office one day because he was he got into a fight, as boys do. And it wasn't that big of a deal because, as I told him, you know, he didn't want to be friends with his friend anymore. And I said, listen, buddy, you'll, you'll get over it. When I was 10, I punched my best friend in the face, and he was the best man in my wedding. So, you know, <laughs> eight-year-old boys will fight. That's what they do. Um, but anyway, he was pretty upset. So we started talking, and in the process of talking to him, we talked about forgiveness, and then I asked him if he knew why Jesus died on the cross, and he said, well, it's because Jesus did bad things, right? And, I was, and that's when I was like, well, no, that's, 
that's not right actually. So we was I was able to share the gospel with him. It was very good. Um, but in the process of sharing the gospel with him, I mentioned that he was a sinner and that he needed to be saved from his sins, and that's why he has died on the cross. And the mom did not like the fact that I called her son a sinner, and so they are no longer coming to camp. So you can be praying for Jack and Betsy that maybe she's actually coming back up to camp in a few days to pick up something that uh, that she needs to pick up. So I'm praying that God would use that opportunity and I'd be able to talk with her son as well. Um, but anyway, that's what's going on at camp right now, and appreciate y'all's prayers. And I do get Pastor Peter's text every Wednesday asking if there's any prayer requests. So I try to respond to that text. Sometimes I don't see it in time, and I apologize for that. But uh, I do appreciate y'all's prayers and y'all's support of the camp. Um, so this year, the theme for camp was uh, the life of Joseph, and that's what we studied. Um, our theme verse was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. That was our theme verse, and we talked about how Joseph trusted the Lord in everything that he did, and we covered the whole life of Joseph in those 10 chapels that we had with the kids. We started Sunday night. We actually had a very interesting Sunday night one of the weeks. We were playing Capture the Flag. We always play Capture the Flag on Sunday night. Ever since I was a camper, we play Capture the Flag on Sunday nights. This is what we do, and it's a lot of fun. And we were playing Capture the Flag, and it was a good, close game. It was One team was winning by one point. We were about to go to snack time. We were playing really, it was a boys' week, just 10, 12-year-old boys, playing really hard, a great game of Capture the Flag. And then I heard a snapping behind me. I didn't know what it was, and the snapping got louder, and I turned around, and a tree branch fell on top of the power line that runs over the ball field and knocked down the power line, and there was a live electric wire laying across the field where we were playing Capture the Flag. And so we immediately stopped the game and told no one to touch the wire, and we got all the kids safely to the mess hall. Um, but turns out that Sunday night we had chapel outside on the hill because we had no power, and that was an interesting night, but it was actually pretty good. I enjoyed it. I might do it again someday. It was actually kind of fun. I uh, sitting out there. It wasn't dark yet, although it started to get dark. The only problem was the electric company came up in the middle of chapel, and that kind of, that kind of messed with things. But the first chapel night, we would talk about uh, Jacob and just cover briefly the life of Jacob, just kind of get the kids established the context so they know what's going on. And then we would go into the life of Joseph. We talked about how Joseph's brothers, you know, they hated him, how Joseph was sold into slavery, uh, how we talked about Joseph and Potiphar's household, which uh, for the older girl, for the older weeks, the older teenage boys, the older teenage girls, that lesson was obviously different than it was for the younger kids, but it was good all the way around. And, and honestly, for the teen boys, it was good uh, for some of them to hear that. Aaron was able to actually present that lesson. Aaron currently works as a student pastor at Biltmore after working at camp for a long time, but he still came up this year and did some of the chapel lessons. And after after that chapel lesson, we probably had four or five boys come back who are struggling with pornography addictions and all these other things. And we were able to talk with a number of them and that was good. It was hard for a lot of them to hear and it was, it was difficult conversations to be had, but I'm glad that they felt comfortable enough to come back and have those conversations with us. And there's some boys that we've been able to pray for and been able to check in with and keep an eye on. And uh, one of them actually was also going to be a counselor. And he did a great job as a counselor. Um, and I was able to talk with him even more while he was up there. So it was good. It was good. Um, but after that, of course, we covered Joseph and his rise up to being second in command of Egypt. And all along, the theme was that Joseph was a type of Christ. And so after every chapel, we would talk about how Joseph's life was a picture, a shadow of what Jesus' life was going to be. Um, and, then, and then a few of the other chapels that we did, or there was a day, obviously we talked about how Joseph forgave his brothers. Um, we talked from that, we could talk about how, you know, God wants us to forgive our enemies and how we should forgive other people as well. 
which is also a hard chapel because a lot of these kids that we had this year came from very difficult situations that was very, very hard to forgive some of the people that had done these things to them. Um, we have kids, of course, that have parents in prison. Um, we got kids that have been abused, and I got to hear some of those stories this year, which again was very difficult. Um, but we got to, it was a hard chapel for a lot of them because it was, you know, how can I forgive these people that have done these things to me? And we actually talked about Jesus' parable in uh, Matthew, I believe it's at Matthew 18, although it's escaping my mind at this very second, the parable of the unforgiving servant mm -hmm. and how Jesus has forgiven us so much, we should be able to forgive others um, in light of that fact. So we're not able to forgive people on our own. It's because we have Jesus that we can forgive big things. Um, so that was that was one of the chapels. But today we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. And so one of the days we talked about how Joseph was uh, able to, in everything that he did, Joseph always did it for the Lord. Um, we read that, you know, it was especially the chapel for the day that Joseph was interpreting dreams while he was in prison, um, while he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. And if you read every single time, Joseph gives the credit to the Lord. You know, they, they bring... They bring Joseph before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, I hear you can interpret dreams, and Joseph says, well, it's not me, it's, it's the Lord, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. And, and of course, Joseph is able to get the, the interpretation from the Lord and, and rescue Egypt and the whole world from that famine. Um, but we talk about how in everything Joseph did, he did it for the Lord. And in Mark chapter 10 was the evening chapel, and it was going to be verses 17 through 31, a very common story, the story of the rich young ruler, the rich young man. And how this man was not able to follow the Lord, how not able to follow Jesus, because he wasn't able to give everything to follow Jesus. He wanted to hold on to his own stuff. He wanted to do things his own way. And so this was our evening chapel. And we'll be in Mark chapter 10, verses, I'll read verses 17 through 31, and uh, we'll go and we'll see how far we get. So, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. And then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. And then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all, and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the gospel's. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children, and lands with, uh, with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, this day, for giving me the opportunity to come here. I pray, God, that you would uh, help me to remember the things that I've studied. Lord, I pray that you would use this time 
it would be glorifying to you, uh, that we would get something out of the message today, God, and that you would give us a great day, and help us to follow you this week, God, to serve you, and uh, just uh, thank you for all your many blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, starting off, we have the rich young ruler. He, he obviously, he had heard, this is a man that's heard about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And he knows that Jesus is a, is a great guy. He probably, you know, he's heard about the healings and the teachings and all these other things. And he knows that he's missing something. He's got that hole in his heart. He knows he hasn't received that eternal life. But he comes up to him, he comes up to Jesus, and he says, Good master, in verse 17, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And right there we see the first problem is this man's very question. What do I have to do to get eternal life? What do I, what do I need to do? What do I need to say? What do I need to... What, what goals do I need to accomplish in order to get this eternal life that you're talking about? And, and that was the first problem that we see with this rich young man is that he thought he could do it on his own. He wanted to know what the secret was. He wanted to know what he had to do in order to get this eternal life that this good teacher, Jesus, has been talking about. And so he comes up, he asks that question, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And of course, we know that there's nothing we can do in our own to receive eternal life. It's all what Jesus did for us on the cross. And he comes up and he asks that question. And in verse 18, Jesus looks at him and he says, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. So when the, when the young man goes up and he says, Good teacher, that wasn't just him saying, you know, giving Jesus a compliment. That just wasn't him being like, Oh, you're, I've heard you're a pretty good guy. But when he says, Good teacher, he was, he was recognizing that Jesus was different. He was perfect. That he was sinless. You wouldn't just call anybody good back then. It wasn't just saying you're a good guy. It was literally saying he recognized that Jesus was different, that he was holy, that he was perfect. And he comes up and, and he says, good master. And then Jesus looks at him and he says, why do you call me good? It's almost as if Jesus was saying, do you really know who I am? Do you know who you're talking to? You just, you know, you just hear some things and you're coming up and talking to me because you think I'm a pretty good guy or something like that. Do you know, really know me? That's what Jesus asked him right there. Why do you call me good? Do you actually know what you mean? You actually know what you're saying, young man? And then after that, Jesus says, all right, so you want to inherit eternal life? You want to do it on your own? Here's the rules. Here's what you have to do. Follow the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie, etc., etc. Be perfect, right? Be perfect is what Jesus says right there. If you want to inherit eternal life on your own, be perfect, which, you know, is true, right? If you are completely sinless, if you are a perfect person, then you get to go to heaven. That is, that is an accurate statement. But I think we all can... Yeah. Well acknowledge that we fall far, far short of that standard. Yeah. I mean, it does. I mean, what well, one sin keeps you out of heaven. Yeah, and, right. yeah, I did that many, many, many years ago, and I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just racking up the debt at this point. It seems sometimes, but that's why Jesus came and died on the cross. Yeah. That debt's been forgiven. That debt no longer, no longer has any hold on us. But the young man, he hears the, the commandments right here. He hears that list: be perfect. You know, don't do anything wrong. Don't commit adultery. Don't kill. Don't lie. Honor your parents, follow the commandments, and you can inherit eternal life. And the, the young man, he looked and he, he answered him, Jesus, and he says, I've kept all these from my youth. And obviously we know that's a lie too, right? Because there's no way he kept all those from his youth. Now he thought he was a pretty good guy. And here, with uh, especially with some of the kids that I've talked to over, over my years, and I'm sure if you've talked to people about the gospel as well, you'll hear this a lot. I'm a pretty good person. I haven't done too many bad things. I've never killed anybody. I've never... You know, I, I sometimes I tell a little white lie, but I've never like stolen anything or anything like that. Um, but uh, there's, it's just one sin. It's all it takes to keep you out of heaven. God, of course, is a perfect judge. He's holy. He can't let sin into heaven. And we're born in sin. That's just you know, to be human is to be a sinner. 
And there's no other way to inherit eternal life except through Jesus. But of course, when the young man says that, he says, I've kept the commandments. I've observed them from my youth, he says. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him, which just that in itself right there is also an amazing statement. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Some versions say he had compassion on him. He cared about this man. He really did. He didn't want, he didn't want this guy to run off and just do his own thing. Jesus didn't want to just end the conversation right there. Where the young man says, I've kept those. And Jesus didn't say, oh, no, you haven't. Get out of here. That's not Jesus. That's not what was his response. He loved him. He had compassion on him. He wanted that young man to believe in him. He really did. He desires that all of us would come to know him, everyone. But the young man, he, he wasn't quite getting it. And so after Jesus looked at him, he loved him. He had compassion on him. And he said, obviously, this young man knew he was still missing something as well. He comes up and asks for eternal life. He knows he's missing something. Jesus says, follow the commandments. And the man says, well, I've done that, but you can almost hear it in his voice. I've done that, but I still feel like I'm missing something. I, I've observed those, but I, I still don't have, like, I'm not sure if I have this eternal life. And so Jesus said to him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, so whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And a very sad verse in verse 22, and the young man went away sad, for he was grieved, for he had great possessions. He couldn't give all of it up. That was his problem. He had he had a love we talked about earlier, the love of money being the root of all evil. This young man's love of money and his love for his stuff was what caused him to not be able to follow the Lord. He knew a lot of facts about Jesus. He knew he was a good teacher. He knew that he was performing miracles. He knew that Jesus was offering eternal life. But he wasn't able to take the next step to follow Jesus. And there's a lot of people, I know because I was one of them, there's a lot of people that know a lot of facts about Jesus that have never taken that next step to believe in him, that have never taken that next step to follow him. Mr. Dennis used to always say to me, usually when I get to this point, I say, you know, I have a friend that used to tell me, but now that he's here, I can't, I got to give him credit. Um, <laughs> Mr. Dennis used to always say to me, if you can talk someone to end, if you can talk, especially a kid, if you can talk someone into being a Christian, someone else can come along and talk them out of it. Um, and that's that's definitely true because when I, I remember growing up, I grew up in the church. Um, my grandfather on my mom's side was a preacher, and my grandfather on my dad's side was an elder at the church we grew up at. Both very godly men, both amazing men, following the Lord. I grew up in church all the time, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I went to Camp Living Water in Bison City. Then I went to Camp Good News in Asheville. I went to ACA. I was homeschooled before that. So, you know, it was it was a part of my DNA, I felt like. Um and I knew all the facts about Jesus, and I could I knew even this story. I knew the story of the rich young ruler, and I knew that Jesus had died on the cross, and I knew all these facts, but I had not put my faith and trust in Jesus. I didn't do that until I was 18 years old. I wasted many years of my life just faking it pretty much. And this man, he knew all the facts about Jesus, but he wasn't willing to take the next step and follow Jesus. He wasn't willing to take the next step to commit his life to Jesus. And we like even when I mentioned earlier with that boy Jack, when I was talking to him, when he first came into my office, I asked him, "Do you believe in Jesus?" And, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. You know, he had heard about Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. Especially you live here in Asheville, North Carolina. People know who Jesus is. You ask anyone, they'll probably think they have a general, like, vague idea of who Jesus is. But being a Christian is not just knowing who Jesus is. It's not even believing that Jesus existed. It's not even believing that Jesus died on the cross one day. Um, I have to pull it up here because it's a it's a quote from Spurgeon, and he says it much better than I could ever say it. Um, but Spurgeon said this: "We believe everything which the Lord Jesus has taught, but we must go a step further and trust Him. 
It is not enough even, or it is not even enough to believe in him as being the Son of God and the anointed of the Lord, but we must believe on him. The faith that saves is not believing certain truths, nor even believing that Jesus is a Savior, but it is resting on him, depending on him, lying with all your weight on Christ as the foundation of your hope. Believe that he can save you. Believe that he will save you. At any rate, leave the whole matter of your salvation with him in unquestioning confidence. Depend upon him without fear as to your present and eternal salvation. This is the faith which saves the soul. That's what it, that's what it means to have faith, not just knowing these facts about Jesus. Um, and to go along with that, you know, sometimes if there's someone that you're witnessing to, sharing the gospel with, it can be, it's, it's very exciting when you're, you're praying for someone, you share the gospel with them, and they get it. The Holy Spirit moves on their heart, and they, they accept Jesus, and they believe they die on the cross for their sins. And then sometimes you go like, that's great. I'm going to go on. I'm out. You go out, and you find someone else to share the gospel with. And you, don't, you just kind of leave that person in the dust, and, and there's no follow-up. There's none of that. That's one of the, actually the hardest things about camp for me personally is I get to see the kids for a week, and then they're gone. And we try to invite them back, and we have these events during the year and stuff. Um, but it, 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 believing in Jesus, being a Christian, is not just a, a one-time thing. Oh, I believe in Jesus, and then nothing else ever happens. And, and you don't follow him. You don't live for him. You just get sucked right back into the world. That's not a true faith. That's not a faith that's taken root. Um, and then we see that a lot, sadly, in this world. as people who just, you know, they believe the story. They've heard it. They're like, oh, that's a good story. Sure, I believe that Jesus existed, and that's enough for me. But it's not. Um, and that's actually, during this past summer, this was a... One of the reasons why I decided to share this message with you all today was I had just recently seen it with that boy, Jack, so it was kind of heavy on my heart. But we also saw it quite a few times this summer as well with kids coming back and talking to me or other counselors, and we asked them these questions about Jesus, and, and they knew the facts, but they also had not put their faith in him. They weren't following Jesus. They were just listening to these stories, and they just knew about him, but they didn't believe in him. And this man had the opportunity to put his faith in Jesus right there. He had the opportunity, as Jesus says, to, to give his stuff away, to take up the cross and to follow Jesus. But he wasn't able to do it because he had a lot of stuff and he didn't want to give up that stuff. It's also a big roadblock to many people believing in Jesus and to becoming Christians is because they don't want to give up their stuff. And it doesn't necessarily have to be riches or money or wealth. It can be your own lifestyle, your own way of life. Whatever it is that you don't want to give up to follow Jesus, anything like that can get in the way. Um, Jesus calls us to surrender our lives to him, to follow him completely, to give our whole lives to him. And, and that means saying no to things. That means giving up certain things. And if you're not willing to make that commitment, then you're not willing to be a disciple of him. And so that's, what, that's why that man went away sad, because he had a lot of stuff that he didn't want to get rid of. And his way of life, was, was he just wanted to hold on to it. He didn't want to get rid of it. And the Bible does talk about this guy being a, a rich young ruler, and it was his wealth that caused him to not want to give that away. Um, but when you think about it in today's standards, this guy was poor compared to what we have. We have indoor plumbing. You know, we have a sink that runs water and a fridge that keeps things cold. Compared to this guy, he might have been a rich young ruler, but we have so much more. If you drove a car to church today, you have more than this guy. If you have a phone in your pocket, it doesn't have to be a smartphone. It can be an old flip phone. If you can talk to someone on the other side of the world just by dialing the phone number, you have more than this man could have ever dreamed of. And so it's a, if it's, it was hard for him to give up his stuff. How much harder is it for so many people today to give up their stuff to want to follow Jesus? Um, and so anyway, he goes away sad. And it is a sad story right there, the fact that he was not able to follow the Lord. And Jesus looked around, verse 23, and he said unto his disciples, How hard or how hardly shall they that have riches enter the kingdom of God? 
And verse 24, the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and saith unto him, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And so there, a very funny picture, trying to put a camel through the eye of a needle. I believe Jesus meant that quite literally. I've heard various people talking the time for no, it was actually he's talking about a camel going through a, a small hole in a wall. And I don't, I don't think that's what he meant. I think Jesus is talking about you have a needle and you have a camel, and Jesus said it's easier for you to shove a camel through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven on his own. That being the key right there to inherit eternal life on your own. That's that's what Jesus is talking about right there. It's not that it's hard for you to get to heaven on your own. It's impossible for you to get to heaven on your own. And that's why Jesus in verse 27 says with men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. With us it's impossible to get to heaven. You can't have enough riches. You can't do enough good things. There's nothing that we can do in our own strength and our own ability to earn a spot into heaven. It's all by what Jesus has done for us on the cross. That's how we're able to get into heaven. It's not just hard. It's impossible for us to do it on our own. And so that's why I I chuckle a little bit when I hear people try to twist that little story, that little metaphor right there, and say it's just a, it's just, a, it's, just it's not. Jesus wasn't saying it's impossible. He was just saying it's really hard for a rich man. No, it's impossible for you to get to heaven on your own. But with God, all things are possible. With Jesus, we have the ability to have our sins forgiven. We have the ability to go to heaven. We have the ability to receive that inheritance of eternal life. We've been adopted as children of God, and as part of that adoption, we receive the inheritance as sons of God, eternal life. And so that, that's the story that Jesus gives them right there. How hard it is for us, uh, for a rich man to get to heaven. How hard it is for any, it's impossible for anyone to get there on your own. Not that it, my grandfather on my dad's side was a very wealthy man. Um, some of you might have known him, Walter. I know Mr. Dennis knew him, Pastor Peter, you knew him as well. Because he was a very rich man. Uh, he, has a, he had a big old house up on Town Mountain, and he was a, he was a very smart man, a brilliant uh, engineer, physicist, um, he passed away before I got to college, otherwise I would have asked him a ton of physics questions when I was an engineer, but he passed away right before I got there. Um, he was a very rich man, uh, but he was also one of the godliest men that I knew. He wasn't trusting in his riches, he wasn't trusting in his wealth to get a spot in heaven. One of the stories that I love from my grandfather is that every night, or basically every night, um, I would hear from my dad and from my aunt and my uncle, they would, sometimes they would get home late and they would come home to find my grandfather had fallen asleep on the couch with his Bible in his hands. My, he, he took care of my grandmother, took her to the bedroom, got her ready for bed and all that, helped her. And he would go out in the living room and many nights he would fall asleep reading the Bible and marking it up and making notes on it. He wasn't trusting in his riches to earn a spot in heaven. He wasn't doing it his own way. He had put his faith in Jesus and that is what earned him a spot in heaven. So nothing wrong with being rich in this life, nothing wrong with having money. I'm very thankful for rich people that know about Camp Good News, because without them, we wouldn't exist, right? Very thankful for people that give money to the camp. That's what we, we need. The world needs, you know, Christian doctors and lawyers and people with money that can support these ministries. The, the things do take money, right? Nothing is, nothing is just free. It might be free for me, but someone's got to pay for it. So there's nothing wrong with having riches in the world. There's, Problem is, if the riches control you, which is the problem with this young man, he wasn't willing to give it all up to follow Jesus. I'm, with my grandfather, I'm sure if someone came up to him and if Jesus had said these words to my hey, sell, sell everything you have and follow me, I have no doubt my grandfather would have been like, okay, yeah, all right, Jesus, if you want me to sell it all, I'll sell it all and follow you. That's what it takes. And so after, after this astonishing little story that Jesus shares with the disciples who are saying to themselves, well, who in the world can go to heaven then if it's... If it's like fitting a camel through of an eye of a needle, that, 
Well, that, that would be impossible, Jesus, and who can go to heaven? And Jesus tells them, with God, all things are possible. And Peter, in verse 28, said, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. In verse 29, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. There's a lot of people who would seem to be first in the world that are not going to receive the inheritance of eternal life, that are going to be last when it all comes down to it, when the, when the final bill is written or paid. Many people that appear to be first are going to be last. That's just the sad truth of reality. But many that are last, many who have given up their lives here on earth for the Lord, they'll be first. They receive that inheritance of eternal life. They receive the adoptions as sons and daughters of God. They receive heaven as a reward. And there's many people that the world would look at and say, you know, well, you don't, you don't have a lot. You don't have any money. You don't have a fancy car. You don't have a nice house. You don't have this. You don't have that. But if that person has given their life, has dedicated their life to the Lord, has followed the Lord with all that they've got, has believed in Jesus, well, then this world doesn't matter. You can't take any of this stuff with you. And to quote another friend of mine who's sitting in the room, it's all going to burn. I'm sorry, Mr. Dennis. You, now you know what it's like when I speak at churches and camp and stuff like that. You get quoted a lot. It's all going to burn, right? It's all going to burn. Um, there's nothing in this world that we can take with us. And so there's, what's the point of chasing after all these things, after these riches of the world? It's, it's not going to lead to satisfaction. It's not going to lead to anything that's going to last for eternity. Um, that's that famous poem. Um, well, only this life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Um, that's the only thing that matters. That's the only thing that's going to last. Everything else in this world, it's just, it's just garbage. It's just rubbish. It's... It's nothing compared to the hope that we have in knowing who Jesus is. Compared to that hope, everything else just pales in comparison. Um, and so that was just a, a brief little snippet of what some of the kids got this summer at camp. Uh, that that was a one of the chapels that we would have as well. Um, so again, I say thank you so much for all of y'all's prayers, for praying for the camp, for your support and all that stuff. Um, moving forward. Thanks to pray about the camp if you want to keep them in mind. Um, the after-school program, keep praying for that. Um, we are praying that it would grow. We're currently at seven now. If we have a full a full day, we have seven. So we can take seven more in the van that we got. Um, so 14 every day at camp would be great. And the chapel times would continue to be good. Uh, that The gospel would continue to be presented. Very thankful. I know I saw in the bulletin Jason was here last week. Very thankful for them helping us out with that. Because um, it does, it, it, the, the partnership takes a little bit off my plate too, from having to get something ready every uh, every week for that. They have all the CEF materials too, and the the books and all that other good stuff. So that's been good, and we really enjoyed that. Um, so keep praying that kids would keep coming and that it would grow. Um, you could be praying also as we're looking to kind of build the staff up a little bit. Right now, it's uh, just me and Jerry Kump as well, who works at the camp. He helps us raise funds and things like that. Um, but as far as People physically at the camp right now, it's just me. So we're praying that God would send us both the, the funds and the ability to hire someone else that could kind of handle maybe some of the maintenance work or some of the administration work, things like that. We used to have me and Aaron, and Aaron would take the maintenance side of things, and I would take kind of the administrative side of things. But now I'm doing both, which is a big, big job, along with having kids at the camp every day. So it's a lot of work. Um, it's good work. I enjoy it, but it is a lot of hard work. 
And so we're praying that God would maybe send someone along that would be able to help us out, also help us watch the kids. Um, so we have another person up there with that. Um, so you're going to be praying for that. Uh, for me personally, uh, this is my first semester. I, I'm at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. I just enrolled there. This is my first semester. It's going well. I'm doing all online because I'm not driving to Raleigh. I did my time at NC State, and I'm out of there now. So I'm not driving all that way. But I'm enjoying it, and it's been going good. But if you wouldn't mind praying for that as well, um, I've got three and a half years left. So, uh, But it's been going good, and I'm enjoying what I'm learning and things like that. It's been good. And things that I can use at camp, definitely. Um, because I have, I went to NC State. I graduated from NC State, like Pastor Peter said, with a degree in middle school math education. And nowhere in that degree do they teach you how to preach the Bible. So <laughs> I am just doing this from what I've seen growing up. And it's been good learning things that I had never even thought of before. Um, so that's been good. And then also, as I mentioned, my wife, Grace, pray that her back would get better soon. I'm pretty sure it's a strained muscle or something, but she has she is in a lot of pain this morning. Um, so we're praying for her. And then moving forward at camp, just so God would keep taking care of it. Keep the freezers running, the fridges running, keep the lawnmower working, uh, the leaf blower, really the leaf blower right now is what I need to keep working. So to keep that leaf blower running, um, that he continue to take care of the camp, give us what we need, um, and, and all those all those things as well. But he's been faithful to do it for a very long time. We still don't charge kids to come to camp. So, you know, we still had camp this past year and we're planning on having camp next year. And the funds haven't dried up yet, so we're still going. Um, but anyway, uh, coming back up, or you will? All right. Well, then, thank you all very much for giving me. I can close this in prayer. That's kind of what I was asking you. Um, but I'll close this in prayer. Thank you all for the opportunity. Uh, Lord, thank you for, again for this day. Thanks for uh, the opportunity again, God. Uh, thank you for your word that you've given us. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would be people that would follow you with our whole lives, God, that we would surrender totally to you. Um, Lord, I pray that you would give us opportunities this week to uh, be a light and a witness to the people that we encounter. I pray that you would help us to set aside distractions, set aside things that can pull us away from you, Lord. Um, I pray that you give us a great rest of our day today, keep us safe in our travels home, and uh, thank you for all your blessings, for taking care of us, Lord, for sending your Son to die on the cross for us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a close tie with the campus on the board out there. And we see Jonathan monthly, and we talk about the things, the needs, and stuff that are going on. There's always, I'm always tired almost when I hear what Jonathan's doing and the burden that he has on his shoulders and stuff. But we really appreciate what you're doing. We're very, very serious about that. And it is a, a real serious ministry. They're really trying to really help the kids. And that's really important. There's really a lot of kids come to there that really don't have a stable environment at home. And uh, there's real need. Our world is in a real mess. And uh, we're trying to do what we can out there to see uh, Jesus Christ be honored in the lives of those kids. So that's important. Especially in your prayers. That's really, really important because God answers prayer. He moves the hand and moves the world. So that's really important. So thank you. Thank you very much. For you.